Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. Very thanks to everybody uh, for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Find me on Instagram at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at KSL Sports. And also download the KSL Sports app if you haven't done that. Really easy, super user-friendly, good way to get the podcasts, all of my articles, all of our articles locally about all of our teams. Really the best way to do it. Go get the uh, KSL Sports app right now. All right, uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time right now talking about my stuff with the Jazz because I got a bunch of good questions for the mailbag this week, and I want to address those if that's what you guys are focused on. But quickly resetting where the Jazz are. Uh, first place in the NBA right now, 14-4. and four. They've won 10 games in a row. They have the Dallas Mavericks coming up tonight. If you're listening to this over the weekend, they played Dallas, and you know the results of the game. I don't. Uh, they've got a very good game coming up against Denver on Sunday. Uh, so this should be a nice test for the Jazz. It's hard to play a team twice in a row. And then Denver on the road is going to be really tough, especially in an afternoon game. So should be fun. Should be a good weekend for the Jazz. Uh, but the Lakers lost last night to Detroit, so they've even got a little bit of breathing room as far as their record goes. So the Jazz are in a really good spot. And uh, they're playing like the best team in the NBA. It's not just that they've had an easy schedule or that they've had a bunch of random outcomes go their way. They're blowing everybody out. They're winning games by an average of 17 points over the last 10 games or so. Maybe it's a little bit less than that now. But, you know, they're hitting 16.6 threes a game, which if they keep that up, will set the NBA record for the most threes ever made. Now, recognize that will get broken next year and the year after that because we're just going to continue to add threes. At some point, it will top out. But there will be a team that gets close to knocking down 23s a game every game in the next few years. It's not going to happen next season. We're not quite at that point, but uh, they're going to start pushing that limit. But the Jazz are probably on pace this year to set the record for the most threes made on average per game. They won't break the total just because they're only playing 72 games this year. So uh, that's kind of where the Jazz are right now. Donovan Mitchell not playing tonight. He's still going through concussion protocol. I'll talk about that coming up more in a second because we've got a question on that. Uh, otherwise, I think we can get to uh, some of these mailbag questions. I always appreciate everyone uh, sending them in uh, at Ben's Hoops. Again, you can also DM me throughout the week. I keep my DMs open, uh, and that's probably the best way to address them. So uh, let's get started. Brian Horman, my main man on Twitter, says, Can you spend time explaining the concussion protocol, where Donovan is in the process, and guess when we might see him back? So the concussion protocol is kind of interesting. Uh whether you have a concussion or not, you kind of have to go through the same stuff. You know, the concussion they'll diagnose on the spot or the next day. Donovan didn't have his symptoms till the next morning, so they couldn't have done it that, that same night. I don't know what Donovan's symptoms were, but you can imagine 
dizziness or vomiting or headache or blurred vision. You know, there's so many things that can be concussion related. Uh, So what you have to do is you get tested for about 24 hours before you can return to the floor regardless. Then they test you at your rest. Do you have any symptoms? How do you feel? Uh, And if you feel fine there, they will get you back on the floor and you'll do things like riding a bike, you know, the exercise bike, jogging, some non-contact drills, and then they want to see how you feel from there. And if you can't pass those or you start to feel a headache or you feel shaky or you feel dizzy, they're not going to let you come back yet. So Donovan at some point earlier today was still in that range because he was questionable this morning and then was ruled out a little bit later. So something he's trying to do is not quite clicking. And you you know, you have to understand the Jazz tomorrow are flying to Denver. So there's a chance we don't see him if he's not cleared. There's also a chance the Jazz said, hey, he's close. We just want to give him a little bit of break. We're playing a lot of games. He's getting a lot of wear and tear. Maybe you're just trying to steal a little bit of extra rest if it was at all questionable tonight. Or even if he said, yeah, I think I can play. And the doctor said, yeah, he can probably play. Maybe he takes a night off. I, I don't think so. Donovan generally tends to be a, a guy who likes to play. Uh, but But that's certainly a possibility. I think finding time to get guys a little bit of extra rest, especially if it's erring on the side of caution, is probably a pretty good idea. So uh, thanks for the question, Brian. Adam Bushman on Twitter. What's going on with the Jazz at the rim? They have a lower field goal percentage at the rim than their opponents, minus 1.2% difference. It's a deal because opponents are getting more shots than us at the rim too. Well, that's right. The Jazz are getting are giving up more shots at the rim, and that's on purpose. You know, Steve Kerr, as the Jazz blew out the Warriors earlier this week, said he thought the difference between this year's Jazz team and last year's Jazz team is that they're hunting threes. And the way I always kind of looked at last season's team was the first option out of the pick and roll was Rudy Gobert lob. Then it was Mike Conley floater or whoever was attacking. Then it was kick out to the corner three on whoever helps on Rudy. And then if that person's not there, they kick the ball up to that kind of upper quadrant, the angle three. That's usually Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, whoever, the Royce O'Neal. You see those guys get a lot of shots in that area. That's kind of the fourth shot. I, I think we've seen a change now where the first shot is, can you pull up for a three if they go under on a Rudy screen? Then you go for the Rudy lob. Then you go for the Mike Conley floater then you go to the corner then you go to that angle three and three of your top five shots now are are three-point attempts where the first I think maybe even two last season were kind of either the lob or the floater and the Jazz were not making the floater last year at all Mike's certainly been much better this season Uh, but I think that's some of what we've started to see change it might have always been on Mike to, to take that three and be more aggressive he said a bunch. He was on Woj yesterday and said, you know, he, the harder he tried, the worse he got. So I just think he was in a weird headspace all season, adjusting to new to- teammates, new city, wife was pregnant, had a baby, you know, all this weird stuff, injuries, uh, you name it. So I think that's part of it is the Jazz are just simply not taking as many shots at the rim uh, or, or at least not looking for it as quickly in their offense or as, as, as kind of the top priority in the offense as they were last season. Uh, that would be my guess on it. And then Rudy's just not having a great season statistically. I mean, that's a huge part of it. I don't think we need to uh, underrate how, how valuable he is at the rim. And he's still great. I mean, he's still shooting 60%, but he shot 69% last year. Uh, from the fl- uh, as far as effective field goal percentage went, he shot 69% from the floor overall. Again, just 60% this season, and all of his shots are at the rim. So when he drops almost 10 percentage points, I mean, that's enormous. And when you look at what he's doing at the rim, uh, his field goal percentage 
within three feet was 75% last year. It's 70% this year. Three to 10 feet was 38% last year. It's 22% this year. So that's the majority of it. And then I think you've probably seen some stuff from Boyan as well. Donovan had issues with layups early in the year. I think it's a little fluky. I think Rudy probably comes back, but I also think the Jazz are taking fewer attempts uh, as a team, or at least they're not, like I said, making it as big a priority as it was just uh, just a year ago. And it's actually helped. That's why the Jazz offense is, is actually better this season. John Simmons. It sounds like Boyan played through his injury much of last season. Love the toughness. If he was in pain last year but still shot lights out, what do you attribute his subpar start to this year? Is it the repaired wrist, fit with a new rotation, random variations, etc.? First of all, he had a staggeringly good year last year, and maybe that was just an outlier. Now, look, he's a career 39% three-point shooter. He's at 36 this year. So I think the outlier is that he's shooting low this year, and that should come back. Yes, I would blame the wrist. Uh, I also wonder if he wasn't in shape when he came to camp because when he talked to us, it was like December 4th or something when, when everything was coming back, you know, he said he hadn't been on the basketball floor yet. He'd only been doing like some light workouts. So if he just wasn't even in shape, he might still be playing himself into shape. And even Mike Conley kind of alluded to guys not coming into camp in shape and not as a, you know, Greg Ostertag diss. It was as, you know, it was a weird off season. Guys didn't have normal training opportunities. Remember in early November, we didn't know when the season was coming back. And then within a couple of weeks, they were saying you have to be back on the first and then practice starts on the fourth and the season starts on the 22nd. Like it was crazy. And, and Boyan was still rehabbing. So I would attribute Boyan's shooting a little bit to that aspect. I suspect he's not in as good a shape because he's not running as well. Remember how many threes he used to just, it seemed like he would catch almost even off of made baskets by the opposing team. He would run and get a, a corner three. He'd get a shot up in the first three or four seconds. He did it against San Antonio earlier this year. And you think, okay, if he's in shape, he's running the floor and he's getting open looks. I almost wonder if he's not in quite good enough shape yet to be able to run as often as he was last year and let that cook. And then secondly, he's taking fewer attempts this year than he was last year. He's taking uh, almost one fewer threes. He's taking three overall fewer shots. So there might be some rhythm there. Uh, that's an issue on top of adjusting to the wrist, on top of playing himself back into shape. I, I just think there's a lot. And you know what? Mike Conley's been so good that like some of those shots have to go to Mike and, and shouldn't be going to Boyan right now. Uh, and that's just kind of probably an adjustment the Jazz are making in the season as they're waiting for Boyan to come along. And if he does, they're going to be basically unbeatable, it'll feel like, I think. And if he doesn't, <clears throat> it's going to be hard for the Jazz to uh, to count on him to be the guy that, that he was last season. But you know, last season was was an incredibly high level of performance uh, from Boyan. I don't think it's fair to expect that every game or every night or you know for an entire season while he's with the Jazz. But that's something I'd keep an eye on. Does he get better because he works himself into shape? And he's kind of notoriously been a slow starter. Uh, he, he got started pretty quick with the Jazz last year after preseason. But uh, notoriously, he's he's kind of a guy who gets going later in the season. And look, that's a good sign for the Jazz because. They're going to get tired. They're going to lose people to injury. They're going to need Boyan to step up and uh, and continue to play well. Good question, though. Uh, Mench on Twitter. Address scenarios by which the Jazz can keep Conley around after the season without paying the repeater tax. I don't think they can. Um, well, they, they can if they avoid paying the first tax this year. Uh, and you could do that by trading away a couple of guys and getting under the salary tax, uh, the luxury tax, and then you're not paying the repeater because you're not repeating anything. You're doing it for the first time. Uh, but if the Jazz want to bring back Mike Conley, they're going to have to go into the luxury tax. You look at their team salary next year without Mike Conley, it's already at $132 million. Uh, Rudy's owed 35 Boyan's owed almost 19 Jordan Clarkson's owned 12 and a half. Joe Ingles is getting 14 Derek's getting almost 10 
Royce O'Neal's getting eight and a half. Donovan's max kicks in. He's at $28 million. Udoka's at $2 million. They're going to add another first-round draft pick, which I'll talk about in a second. That'll be $2 million. Mayoni's going to get paid. He's going to be at $1.7 million. Elijah Hughes still going to be on the team. He's at $1.5 million. You're probably going to want to bring George Niang back. He's going to get a couple of million. Like, you're going to be at $136 million before you even talk about Mike Conley. But if you make it to the Western Conference Finals this year or you're legitimately close and you recognize Kawhi is a free agent this offseason, could easily leave, LeBron's going to be a year older and it's going to drop off further, like, your championship window is open. And, and if you're close and you're knocking on the door and you think Mike's the difference over the next two years – it's worth paying him. And, 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 you know, we saw a tweet today. I put it out on Twitter. Uh, a, a guy was talking about how good of a day Ryan Smith, the new owner for the Jazz, had yesterday where his his company Qualtrics went public. It's being publicly traded now. And he, he made $150 million just on his stock options yesterday. $150 million is more than any contract you'll ever pay Mike Conley. In fact, it's more than the Jazz' entire salary cap next season. As I just mentioned, probably going to be around 140, 135, 140 before you sign Mike Conley. So he made that much money in one day. So if you have the money, you can pay it if, uh, if the Jazz are that serious about winning. So you don't necessarily need to worry about the cash. You need to worry about whether the Jazz feel like they want to spend the money. Uh, RJC, is Mike Conley an all-star this year? I think he should be. I hope people recognize how well he's playing. 16.6 points, 6 rebounds, or 6 assists and 4 rebounds. Do those sound like all-star numbers? Probably not. His advanced metrics by every account say he's absolutely an all-star. It's going to be hard to make it. But you know what? Rudy might not make it this year. There's this assumption that Rudy gets in. Maybe he doesn't. You look at some of the front court players. You know Anthony Davis is going to make it. Uh, you know... Jokic is going to make it like there's a real reason to find a lot of guys that could make it in front of Rudy and maybe the Jazz still get two all-stars because they're a top two or three team in the West by the time these selections are being made and it goes to the Jazz backcourt Mike and Donovan instead of Donovan and Rudy and that's possible Uh, I I think that's certainly something uh, we could foresee happening so I I would bet against it still but uh, he should it would be great if he did but I I definitely think he should uh, have an opportunity to make it to the all-star game and make it to his first that'd be really cool. Uh, Jeff on Twitter, do players in the league, uh, do players league their verts often? Excuse me. Uh, do they check their vertical leaps often? And I think is what you're asking. Are they always aware if it starts slipping? I bet they're more aware than anyone when they realize how hard it is to jump, how hard it is to finish on top of the rim. I bet they catch it really quickly. Uh, and that, yeah, they do anthropomorphic. I think that's the word, uh, testing before every season. Uh, so they come in and they have the, the big vertical machine out and, and they jump up and test out where they are and, and how well they're doing and, and uh, what they're doing physically and what they need to work on to get better, how much bigger they need to uh, to get either you know weight-wise, how they want to build their weightlifting uh, plans, things like that. Like They're certainly very aware of it. I remember uh, kind of famously Boris Diaw had his uh, story that – he walked into the Phoenix Suns preseason camp, uh, asked what Amari Stoudemire's max vertical was because he had set the team record. I believe Dial was in flip-flops and had a latte in his hand, and he put the coffee down, and then he took his flip-flops off, and he beat Amari Stoudemire's uh, vertical leap because he was just a physical freak like that. He was just one of those weird you know, incredible, uh, incredible athletes and incredible human beings. Uh, so I think they probably do it before every season. In fact, I'm, I'm almost positive they do just to make sure everybody's 
healthy and, and tracking those things, and they're, they're just so ridiculously meticulous with some of that stuff, I'd have a hard time imagining they aren't testing it. Uh, Jeff has another question. Uh, he says, what can be done about bogeys finishing at the rim? Is it just patience? Is it legs? Has he lost some of his height on his vert? It's funny to get two vertical questions. Uh, I, I, I think kind of as I touched on it earlier, I think it's probably overall conditioning, might be a fear of finishing at the rim, finishing through contact, taking a hit on the wrist, or falling on the wrist. I think those are probably all things. And also, how, how much do you want him dribbling? Like, he was so bad last year dribbling the ball. He, he dribbles like he's on stilts sometimes. He just does not have a low handle. So if he is willing to, to just shoot threes or be a ball mover on the perimeter and limit how often he's trying to get to the rim, I think that's actually probably a good sign. And Mike Conley's doing so much more work because he's A, in the rotation, uh, and not injured like he was last season, and B, he's just playing so well that uh, you probably don't want Boyan attacking the rim all that much, though percentage shouldn't be about frequency that he's getting to the rim. It should be about efficiency once he does get there. So that that would kind of be my only thought, though, is that he's a little bit afraid of getting hit, and maybe he's taking a, a, a few fewer layup attempts per game just because there's not as many there, and uh, and it's just not working out as well for him because he's trying to get back into shape. Otherwise, I, I think... That's all the questions I have today. I appreciate everyone who uh, tuned in and listened to these and sent in questions. It really makes my job more enjoyable to try and address your questions. It's uh, really a fun thing to do. I like doing this every week. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Uh, send me your questions. DM me throughout the week, and I'll try and get to them coming up next week. If not, enjoy your jazz weekend. Two good games, and we'll be back with you on Monday. It's kslsports.com. Jazz notes. <laughs> Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.